0: But, Miguel, what a great reminder. Thanks for finding that song. And just a, a reminder that in this world, there are so many voices saying, walk this way. This is the way you can walk. If you want pleasure beyond imagination, if you want a life of fulfillment, come walk with me. Do what I tell you to do. Pursue the things of the world. There are so many voices that are saying that. Um, we're reminded of that because of the city we live in. Even... Uh, the things that we see right now with parades, right? Everybody's got a smile on their face, uh, pursuing and chasing all kinds of things that don't last. And yet, what we find this morning in the book of Ephesians is Jesus Christ calls out to you as well. And he says to you, walk this way. Don't walk that way. Walk this way. Come unto me, all you who are weary and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Like the words of that song say, we can resist that pair of nail pierced hands that are held out in care, or we can embrace them and do as Christ calls us to walk this way, to walk with Him. So this morning, if you'll turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 32, Ephesians four seventeen through 32, we're actually going to read through the entire passage first and then walk through it and reflect on it for a few minutes here this morning as we look at what Christ says to us uh, through this amazing book, uh, the book of Ephesians. And And again, remember what we're talking about here is the fact that once you've experienced God's grace, it affects everything. Jesus changes everything in your life including the direction that you're walking. And so uh, follow along on the screens or in your Bibles as we read. I'm going to be reading from the uh, ESV. And uh, let's start uh, by reading Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 uh, now at this time. So it says this, Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds, Which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. This is the word of God. You know, what's interesting here is so many of the things that are in this passage are almost self-explanatory, aren't they? Uh, just really down-to-earth, practical ways that we can walk with God. And as this morning, as we look at this idea of walking this way, again, just to take us back to what Ephesians has showed us so far. What God has showed us in Ephesians. Uh, first of all, the first three chapters had a lot of doctrine, right? The things that Christ has done for you. The way that you can come to know Christ. Uh, but that leads us to these last three chapters, which tell us now you have a duty. If you've been redeemed, um, you know the truth about Jesus, you have a duty to walk with Jesus. If you've believed in him, if you have tr- placed your trust in Jesus Christ, that is by default going to affect your behavior. God's grace affects your behavior. If you know that one day you will experience the eternal riches that are in Christ Jesus, and in fact you're experiencing many of them right now, If you're experiencing the riches, you have a responsibility to walk with the Savior who saved you. And that's what we want to talk about this morning. Uh, Paul says in Romans 12, 1 and 2, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Again, because of the mercy that God has shown you, now present your body as a living sacrifice. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So this morning, brothers and sisters, we want to meditate for a few minutes on what it is that is good, acceptable and perfect. And we're going to get to that in just a minute. But as you think about it also, this idea of grace affecting everything in your life, Last week, we saw that God has called each of you who knows him to build up his body. We are called to be bodybuilders. Uh, this idea of walking in unity. God says, I want you to walk in unity with one another as a church to accomplish this great mission that he has given us of making disciples. But this morning, we're going to look at not only do we are we called to walk in unity, we are also called to walk in purity. To walk in purity. And, and actually both this week and next week. We're going to be talking about that very same thing. This idea of walk this way. So whatever we don't cover this week. Miguel gets to cover next week. So it's fine if we leave a big pile of stuff for him. So. Um. Another verse I love. So as we look at this idea of walking this way, what we first of all I think need to realize is when we look at these verses that we just read is that God says, I want to call you to a different kind of walk, a different kind of walk. The word walk in scripture is this metaphor that's used in Old Testament and New Testament for just this idea of traveling through life, uh, your your walk of life. And and. And we find out that for those who know Christ, we are called to walk with Christ, to walk in Christ, to experience life with him. And God says that when you walk with me, that's a different kind of walk than what you had before. A different kind of walk than what you had before. Um, what, What do I mean by that? Well, I think, first of all, we have to realize we have a different destination than you had before, right? You were on the road to hell before you knew Christ. But now you are on the road to eternal life with him in heaven. So you have a different destination. You have a different master. Um, you served the ways of the world before. You heard how the world cries out to us uh, as, a, as a master, as a taskmaster that will actually destroy you. But God says, I want to be your master, your Lord and master, the one who gives you good things. Now follow after me. We have a different purpose. 2 Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Flip back to Ephesians chapter 2. This is just a little review. Because remember what Paul says where we come from. He says, before you knew Christ, Ephesians 2 verse 1, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. That whole idea of following, it's almost like that idea, I think, of, of being on a parade. You have to follow the, the path. You follow the float that's in front of you. You do whatever they did in front of you. You're just doing what everyone else is doing. But God says that's the way of death. To follow the things of the world is to follow the things of death. And now we have a different walk. God says if you've come to know Christ, you are called to walk in a different direction. I love this picture This idea that you've probably heard of the poem uh, by Robert Frost called uh, The Yellow Road. I'm not going to read the whole poem, but it starts out like this. It says, two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both. And be one traveler, long I stood, and I looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth. It's a beautiful poem, but the idea, it starts out with this idea of you come to a fork in the road, and you have to decide which way you're going to go. Well, I think this morning what Jesus says to us is, I don't want you to be sorry that you couldn't take that other road. That other road leads to death. Instead, embrace this new walk that he's given us. Embrace it. And Jesus says, walk down my path. It will make all the difference. And so really, that's what you've done. If you've trusted Christ, you've said, I want to walk down his path. This has always been true for the people of God. In in the Old Testament, Joshua 24, verse 15, Joshua says to the people, choose this day whom you will serve. Whether you will serve the gods that your father served in the region beyond the river. In other words, will you serve the gods of Egypt? Or will you serve the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell? The gods of the people of the, new, the promised land. But Joshua says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I think that's the invitation that Jesus gives us this morning. Is to walk this way. Walk my way. Walk down my path. And I will give you rest. It's a different kind of walk choose this day whom you will serve i think our takeaway from this point is one one of the things you can think about here is who am i walking with right now who am i walking with what friends am i walking with are they encouraging me to go down the right path or are they trying to pull me back down the other fork in the road it's important for us to have friends around us to walk this way with jesus we need community we need a church family We need people in our church family who know us and who walk through life together with us. For this different kind of walk, we must choose the right companions. But the second thing about this different kind of walk is that it leads us to have a different kind of thought. A different thought process. Different thinking, if you will. We see this in verses 18 through 21. Look at uh, actually starting in verse 17. What is the former way of thought? In other words, Paul is saying this. He's saying... You used to be a gent like the Gentiles, like the pagans. How did they used to think? Verse 17. Futility of their minds, the way they thought was futile, darkened in their understanding. So living in the dark, alienated from God, separate from God because of the ignorance that was in them. Hardness of heart. They're callous. They're sensual. They're greedy. They're practicing every kind of impurity. Paul says, that's your old way. Leave that behind and think in a new way. Think in a new way. Well, what is the new way that we are called to think? God says, I want the light to come into not just your life, but into your mind. And your actions begin with your thoughts. So verse 20, verse 20 says this, but that is not the way you learned Christ. That is not the way you are called to follow Christ. Don't think the way the Gentiles thought you are called to learn Christ, which means you have a relationship with him. And you are called to follow him and dwell on him in your mind. You know, what I think we see when we look at the world around us, the city we live nearby. You could even look in the city right here, Covington. It doesn't really matter where you live. I think the devil wants to, to deceive people and to blind the mind of unbelievers. He wants to blind unbelievers so that they can't see Christ. But I think he also wants to blind the mind of believers as well so that we pursue the wrong things or we try to walk down that other road. In fact, I think if you're standing at that fork in the road, many times we find ourselves, I'm going to take some steps down this road and I'm going to take some down that road. And pretty soon you're trying to do the splits and that doesn't feel very good. God says, I want you to follow me with your whole heart, with your thinking, pursue me with your thinking. You know, this, this idea of having a different thought. A different way of thinking. I would just ask you this. How are you being taught in Christ? Verse 21. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. How are you being taught in Christ to change the way you think? Um, What is it that God is doing to change the way you think about life and about the world so that you think about it the way that he's created you to think about it? And I think uh, one of the things we have to talk about is this idea of, of having God's word implanted in your heart here. To change God's the, to change uh, your thinking and think in the way that Christ wants you to, you need to be filled with his thoughts and his word. And so just a couple questions to ask yourself. Uh, we actually said these questions the first week that we started the, the series on Ephesians. Uh, the idea of reading the word, uh, memorizing the word, praying the word, living it out. So here are the questions. One is, how will I read God's word? Because I would suggest to you that there's no way you can have the right kind of thinking. There's no way that you can have the right kind of walk unless somehow you are consuming God's word and taking it into your life and planning it in your heart. So how will you read the word of God? That's the first step, is actually reading God's words that he's spoken to us. How do you do that? Do you read through a plan? Do you read a chapter a day? Do you have a devotional that you go through? The main thing is that you have a plan so that you are reading God's word each and every day. How will I read God's word? How will I memorize God's word? I think scripture calls us all to memorize. And you might say, well, I don't have a good memory. Fine. Learn one verse this year. Just learn one. Uh, but God says, I do want you to plant my word in your heart so that you might not sin against me. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Um, How shall a man keep his way pure, but by hiding, but living according to God's commands? Memorize God's word. How will you memorize God's word? If you're not memorizing anything right now, choose something out of the book of Ephesians. Maybe choose that last verse in our chapter today. Ephesians 4.32 is a great one to choose to learn if you're looking for one verse. Um, So how will I read God's word? How will I memorize God's word? And then here's another one. How will I learn God's word from others? How will I learn God's word from others? Because I think that's part of what it means to be a part of a church is to put yourself in settings where you are challenged by teaching, by preaching, and also by brothers and sisters who walk alongside you and, and speak God's word into your life. Um, how will I learn God's word from others? All of us who are part of this church or part of a church would say, well, I hear the preaching on Sunday morning. I'd say that's a great start. Uh, If you hear the gospel proclaimed and the word proclaimed, that is a great start. But there's so much more, I think, that we need to learn from God's word than what you can get here on a Sunday morning. So how will I learn God's word from others? I think that's part of God's plan for your growth is to do this in a community. And then the last one is how will I teach God's word to others? Because I think it's not enough that we think the right way and we know all the right things. But God says, I want you to take what I've given you and teach it to others. Okay, So the idea here is uh, we have a different thought process which leads us to say, well, how am I going to train my thinking? But also how am I going to use that to help develop other people? Third thing, when we talk about walking this way, walking with Jesus, uh, the first one is uh, a different kind of walk. Second one is a different kind of thought. The third one is, in verses 22 through 24, a different kind of clothing, a different kind of clothing. I, this is a word picture Paul uses here. He also uses this in Colossians, but I love this. He says, uh, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Um Some translations might say, put off the old man, (laughs) get rid of the old person, get rid of it. In other words, it's like this idea of taking off dirty, filthy clothes. I love that phrase, deceitful desires. Isn't that, isn't that so insightful? Because many times the things we desire, we think that thing, if I just have it, it will make me feel good right now, or it's going to make me complete as a person. But that's deceitful because anything apart from Christ cannot give you true fulfillment. So it's a deceitful thing that will leave you wanting. And God says, take those deceitful desires and put them away. Verse 23, be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self, the new clothing created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. We are to put on the likeness of Christ, the likeness of God. Next week, we'll see uh, chapter five, verse one says, imitate Christ, put on the character of Christ. Put on different clothing, characterized by righteousness and holiness. Here's some verses from Colossians. We preached on that. We went through this last December, or last November. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive and above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. You know, I think a great example of this is, there's kind of two examples I want to give you of this that, that I think help us understand. One is at a wedding. Think about a wedding. When you go to a wedding, what do people wear? Their finest clothes, right? Especially if we're talking about the bride and groom. They're wearing a wedding dress and whatever suit or tux they selected, it's been well thought out, well planned. They wear the right clothes to this event. And I think that's what God says. You are my bride. You are the church. Wear the right clothes. Uh, Wear garments of righteousness. Um, Some of the things we're going to look at here at the end of the passage, spell that out and say, here's what these clothes look like. Here's what these clothes smell like. So that's one thing. Wearing the right clothes, I think, is evidence of the transformation that God is working in you. God says, wear the right clothes. Wear a different kind of character qualities than you had when you were a pagan. And that's what you were before you knew Christ was a pagan pursuing the things that would destroy you. One other powerful example of this, uh, is the story of when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Think about Lazarus for a minute. He was wrapped up in the grave. It says he died and they put him in a grave, wrapped him up in grave clothes. And Jesus shows up three days later and everybody's crying. Jesus even cries because he's so frustrated with the situation and with death. And, uh, And they go to the tomb. Jesus says, take me out to the tomb. And they stand out there. And Jesus cries out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Powerful words, right? And the dead man walks out of the grave. John chapter 11. The dead man walks out of the grave. But I think my favorite phrase in that whole story, though, is the next thing that Jesus says. He says, untie him and let him go. How powerful is that? Because that's actually a picture of what he's done for you. He says, untie them and let them go. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. You were wearing dirty, rotten, smelly clothes, grave clothes, burial clothes. God says, take off that old self and put on the new self. I'm giving you something better, far better than the grave clothes that you were wearing. You're no longer dead. You have now been made alive. We are called to wear a different kind of clothing. And I think the most specific, I love the end of this chapter. It tells us that we are called to have a different kind of talk. A different kind of talk. There's really uh, several concrete examples of here's what it looks like to wear this different kind of clothes. To have a different kind of conduct. And I think we could sum it all up by saying talk. Now, some of these are not related to speech, but most of them do have to do with the things that come out of our mouth, the things that we say. Most of them have to do with our speech. All of them have to do with our relationships. So this idea of having a different kind of talk. What is it that God wants us to say? Why is this so important? Let me read a verse from Luke chapter 6. It says this, The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. Here's why this is so important. Because what you say is an indicator of what's in your heart. It's a test for what's actually inside your heart. And here's the other thing. Not only what you say, but how you say it, we're going to see in some of these verses. How you say it is an indicator of what's in your heart as well. You might say truth, but if you say it in a mean, hurtful, hateful, spiteful way, those are not the right words. Those are not words that give life. One more set of verses from James chapter 3. and a tongue. Is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and is set on fire by hell. For every beast and bird and reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. You see that phrase that says, no human being can tame the tongue. So these things we're about to talk about and just list off as we conclude our time, you can't do this. You can't do this. No human being can do this. Only God working in your life can do this. Okay. So that's the only way we can put on this different kind of clothing. That's the only way we can have a different kind of speech, is through the Holy Spirit who lives inside you. Different kind of talk. What I want us to see is just a bunch of very practical ways that God says we put on these different garments and we speak in a different way. The first one is verse 25 is truth. Having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. If you want to know something that will destroy the body, destroy the church, it's untruths. Things that are being said about others or things that are misleading. Um, God says, speak the truth in the body because we are members of one another. Plus, what good does it do to show the world a character of falsehood when we say we've been redeemed by the way, the truth, and the life? Truth. It talks about anger in verse four, uh, verse 26. Be angry and do not sin. Um, really interesting. There's kind of three things that are said about anger. It says, when you're angry, don't sin. Well, you might say, I thought anger was a sin. Now, there's such a thing as righteous anger. Most of us don't have that kind of anger, okay? Uh, Righteous anger uh, we see demonstrated by Jesus uh, when he cleansed the temple. Things like that. It's okay to be upset about injustice and things that uh, destroy people. But unrighteous anger often leads to sin. Things happen when we lose it or blow our top. It says, do not let the sun go down on your anger. In other words, keep short accounts. I love it. Uh, This is something Sarah and I had to learn in our marriage. Um, you know, you get in an argument with your wife or your husband or or a friend, and you say, I don't want to talk about it, and you let it go. And the longer you let it go, it actually takes on a life of it, its own, and there becomes a root of bitterness, and that leads to all kinds of trouble. Uh, I had a friend growing up who actually would say this. He's like, my wife and I never go to bed without apologizing to each other. Uh, in fact, Scripture tells you you should never go to bed without apologizing to each other. Well, Sarah and me would sometimes, I'd I'd say, oh, no, it's time to go to bed, so I'm Sorry. I didn't mean it, okay? <laughs> so I realized, I think the principle here is that you don't let things go for a long time. And sometimes I needed to wait till morning to talk about it. Sarah's not that way. She's quick to forgive, quick to quick to move on. Uh, but sometimes I needed to, to sit on it and, and, and think about it till morning. But the principle there is God saying, don't let time go by without resolving the anger you have. Whether it's in your marriage or in a relationship with someone else. Resolve these things. Uh, one other thing he says about anger, he says, do get, give no opportunity to the devil. Uh, really, literally what that says is don't give a place to the devil. Don't give the the devil a place to take a foothold. Other things that are said here, uh, he talks about stealing, uh, let the thief who steals, steal no longer. That's not compatible with Christ. The way of Christ, um, honest work is what God calls us to. Now that doesn't have anything to do with your speech, (laughs) but it does have a lot to do with your relationships. God says, uh, Work so that you can serve others. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up that it may give grace to those who hear. So I want you to think about what is the corrupting talk that you're tempted to say. And sometimes I think corrupting talk is, is the way you say things too. Uh, corrupting talk, that's really this word, that word corrupting means rotten or filthy. And so any words that you would use that would be filthy. And you might say, well, I don't use four letter words, so I'm good, right? There's a whole lot of other kind of corrupting talk other than cursing. And God says, your words are intended to give life. Let life come out of your mouth. And right in the middle of all that, we have this little verse that says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So verse 30 is a really interesting verse to me. I think it's really important to realize that when we do these things, it says it grieves the Holy Spirit. It grieves God. A couple things here. One is that what we see clearly here is that the Holy Spirit is not just an impersonal force or being that's out there. The Holy Spirit is a person. And God chooses to say that the Holy Spirit can be grieved when we do these things. Now, God says, I've set you free from them. Walk with me and use words that give life. What I love about this whole thing, and especially when we get to verse 32, is for every command that, that Paul gives us not to do, he kind of gives us something to counter it, something that in place of this, do this. In other words, if you pull a weed out of the garden, you better make sure there's another plant that's growing there uh, to, that can grow up and bear fruit. Ephesians 4.32, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Really, we're summing it all up to say, God says, I want you to have a different kind of talk. One of the thought on that verse 32, really powerful. I remember we got to the end of our Sarah and I did pre-marriage counseling with a professor uh, in college. And, and he led us through this whole process and we got to the end and, and he said, "Hey, is there anything else you want to ask me about? And uh, there were lots of things we should have asked him about, right? Because uh, we didn't have any idea what we were getting ourselves into. But I do remember I said, well, OK, here's one thing that's come up. Uh, sometimes I get offended and, and I just have a hard time forgiving. I want to hold grudges. Again, Sarah's quick to forgive. <laughs> if there's ever any problems in our relationship, they're usually, usually Marcus. Anyways, I said, I have a hard time forgiving. What do I do about that? And he actually t- opened up to this verse. And he said, let's read that. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. He says, you see, Marcus, forgiveness is not an option. It's a command. And you've received Christ's forgiveness. Now you are commanded to go out and demonstrate that to others. What a great reminder that was. It's been huge in our marriage. I'm not perfect at it. But it's also been huge just in in living with people. With our forgiveness, with our kindness, with our tenderheartedness. I think what we have to realize is the teaching of Jesus is that that is not selective forgiveness. It's not selective kindness. We get to choose who we want to be kind to. Look at the story of the Good Samaritan. God says, you are called to be kind to anyone who needs my kindness. And tenderhearted and forgiving. You know, we get to the end of our message here, and you look at that phrase, walk this way. Jesus invites you. He says, I want you to walk this way, not the way that you used to walk. Walk in light and in righteousness and uprightness and in and in fullness of life. And it's easy to come to the end of this message Look at all those things and say, man, I'm messing up on all of them. And it's easy to say, I just can't. I don't feel like it's working for me. It's not happening. And I, if this is how you feel this morning, that those are your words, I, I can't, or I a lot of times don't, I would just say this, you're right. You can't. You can't do this on your own. But God working through you can transform you. He can bring you to maturity. You know, the the book, the great Christian classic, Pilgrim's Progress, is titled Pilgrim's Progress, isn't it? It's not Pilgrim's Perfection. He doesn't reach perfection until he gets to heaven, but it's his progress. And God says, I want to perfect you as you progress through life, as you walk through life, one step at a time, growing with me. Here's that picture of the greenhouse again. God says your growth is going to happen through ordinary moments, through little words that you say. Little words that you don't say. Through actions you take, one little choice at a time, little by little, growth by growth, you're going to grow up into maturity. One step at a time. Walk this way. Grow this way. When I think about Trinity Church, or any church, I think a church should be a greenhouse full of people who are growing alongside each other. Growing and walking with Christ uh, into greater maturity. So do you want to grow? Then follow him. What I want us to do again this morning in closing is to actually stand up here in just a minute and pray together again the words of Ephesians three twenty and 21 as a church. Uh, because again, I think this just reminds us so much that this is not something we can do on our own. So let's close with prayer. If you will, please stand with me. And let's pray these words together as our benediction. Our Heavenly Father, to you who are able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to you be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. You are dismissed.